have a hose up my ass Thursday morning. Third Degree the Podcast is brought to you by Soccer90.com. You can score the vast collection of FC Dallas Premier League and U.S. Men's National Team gear. they got jerseys, hats, scarves, tees, and beyond. Soccer Nine has got everything you need. Now, enjoy 20% off your exclusive third-degree discount, not only online, but in-store. Both online and in-store. I mean, honestly, can you beat that? That's just the best. 20% off, code third-degree at checkout, in-store, online, SoccerNine.com. Some exclusions apply. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to another episode. This one, ooh, it's a big. It's the one before a big one. It's episode two forty nine of Third Degree, the podcast. Hi, it's me, Peter. Our dear friend Dan Crook is not going to be with us. What for a couple of weeks, I think, because he has gone back to the motherland known as Angerland. And I would also ask each and every one of the curious when you go to bed tonight and you're doing your bedtime prayers, keep one extra. For dear Dan and his wife as he continues to try to get tickets to go see Luton at his home pitch against Manchester United. So I'm sure your extra thoughts and prayers would be appreciated in his efforts to try to acquire those very, very important tickets. So that means it's just me and your hero, my hero, and everybody's hero, editor, founder of thirddegree.net, and the original American soccer influencer, Buzz Carrick. Come in, Buzz. Hi, Peter. I, I should have known better. I thought for a minute you were going to have prayers for Dan for the and condolences for his loss, but then you went looting tickets. That's <laughs> not oh, what I was expecting. <laughs> oh, I, for, I, for, I forgot about that. That's why he's going to family. England. <laughs> I forgot about that part. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but I, I get it. Looting tickets is huge. That's you a know, deal. in fairness to me, Buzz, the yeah. back and forth between Dan and I has been about tickets, not about the, the yeah. death of a family member. So, uh, yeah, to be that fair, make, that's true. Yeah. Does that make me less of a jerk? <laughs> no, it just means that you're, you're the, at the forefront of your mind was helping Dan with the thing that he wanted to, your help with. So. <laughs> Good on you for being a friend in this time of need. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Nobody listening to this tell Dan that I said that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can we block Dan from downloading yeah. this episode? <laughs> I'm sure he'll be busy. I doubt he's going to hear this one. <laughs> I meant it. I was really, my intentions were good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they were. I just, just yeah. forgot somebody died. <laughs> yeah. I think two people actually, but yeah. Oh, this is a great Sedwig because speaking of dying, FC Dallas parted ways with Jesus Jimenez. Yes. Now there, I thought you were going with dying with the world cup thing, but we'll come back to that. Yeah. Jesus Jimenez finally mutually parted ways. Uh, We, we, we have yet to learn if the club had to use the buyout or not, because you remember when they, when they quote mutually parted ways with Frank O'Hara, it turned out later. Wait, that, did you just say mutually farted ways? I may have misarticulated. I did not say <laughs> that. Yeah. <laughs> that would actually be funny if you called it that. <laughs> yeah. So when they misfarted with Frank O'Hara, they, uh, the, 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 the value of his contract was so high that they were required to use the buyout, even though it was a mutually agreed contract termination. Now, Jimenez's deal is half that much, uh, at least, you know, so it's possible that they just were able to mutually part ways with him, but we don't know yet. Maybe we can find out eventually. So it's possible they use the buyout here, but either way, 
what's important is remember all winter Peter, you and I and on this podcast and, and Dan have talked about the importance of this deal is not that necessarily he wasn't scoring and wasn't bringing the value. The problem was the, the original trade when Brandon Savani went up there, Toronto ate his salary hit for last season, and that was not going to be the case this year. So you would have been adding a DP contract if you kept him for a player that was giving you nothing. So um, that that was the key, was the, was the DP contract part, because that would have handcuffed you, prevented you from doing the moves that you have done. Notably, Petr Musa, of course, is a big part of this you know, overall transaction. So... Um, thank you, Lucky Stars, as fans, that were, they were able to do this parting of ways. And bizarrely, Jesus Jimenez has ended up at a club in Crete where also Brisson plays and Santiago Mascara play. So what? it's like the, it's the FC Dallas Rejects club in uh, Greece over there. Yeah, they're all on the same team now. Are they so, playing in the in the Greek first division? Uh, I think it's actually like the third division. I don't think it's and what a what way to yeah. live a life as a footballer is just go play in some low tier Greek league somewhere. Yeah. I mean, Greek's oh my not gosh. That place to be, right? No. So, yeah. I mean, I, it doesn't make me feel that great that the recent FC Dallas partings are at that level of play, which is probably making Jimmy Dwight Dallas wasn't great during some of those windows, but you know, Nonetheless, it's a fascinating confluence that those three guys ended up outside, you know, Three River Stadium over there in Crete. Wow. And Brisson and who else? Santiago Mascara. Gee whiz. Yeah. Weird, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. All right. Super weird. I mean, I, I couldn't believe it. So I went and looked it up. These right they're both of the right there on his roster and the club roster with him is. So. Kudos to him. Bizarro. Yeah. To them, I mean. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So. So what does it mean if it turns out that they didn't use the buyout? Does that give them an option to buy somebody else out? If they if and if if it's if that's the case, is there somebody else we would want them to? Uh, off the top of my head, no. But yes, it would absolutely give them that right. There have been teams that have used it on players that were not getting paid all that much money because you have one a year, and so if you feel like you don't need it for a million dollar player, you can literally use it on a. 100k player if you want to mm-hmm. you know it's just a way to get out of a salary number uh, you know of course they still have to deal with jose mulatto that's the other player that they're looking to part ways with and, and we felt i felt certainly and the hints from the club were that they had not hints it's not a it's not a thought it told me that there are multiple clubs both in south america and in europe that were interested in you know some kind of loan or buy of him you know it won't be as high a level as fc dallas but it'll be something you know so there is a market for him more than there was for jimenez but Maybe if you get stuck, you might have to use it on that guy. If if indeed you haven't used it on Jimenez, or you never know what. I mean, maybe there's some reason why you need to jettison a contract at some point during the season. If you're going to use it, you would be in the next two weeks. If yeah. you didn't, if you didn't right here, and it may be because of that previous example, they may have had to have. Uh, hopefully, eventually we'll figure that out and find out from our sources, or or maybe they'll flat out tell us. But so far, we don't know. There was a really interesting Twitter thread that uh, uh, I that was popped up in my timeline today from a guy named John Parker. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with this one, Buzz, but essentially John made a really, really good uh, posted a really good thread, kind of highlighting something that I think we noticed in direct relation to it with the signing of Musa. Uh, and this is the thread that talks about how roster building has changed in Major League Soccer in 2024 in terms of because of how in Europe, European teams are really focused on signing 
guys that are between 18 and 22 because that's where all the upside is. Yes. Have you seen this thread? No, but I was agreeing with that sentiment that yeah, 18 so, 22 is the key. Yeah, yeah, so Parker points out that what's happening is is that you know when guys get to be between 24 and 26, which you and I all agree is kind of that prime age, nobody wants to sign them to long-term deals because there's no upside for the club. So unless they're like world-class players, there's now, and because the, the, the target is shifted to signing 18 to 22s because the upside to selling them on for, for profit is in those guys, that has opened a window for MLS who has a surprising amount of money to spend on players. And that is now creating this new inbound of a much higher tier of player than we've seen in Major League Soccer of late. Uh, Benega is a great example that he points out. Um, and here in Dallas now with Musa, this is another one. And this ties into a couple of things that, you know, we talked about at the beginning, which was, you know, people that know about Benfica, that reporter said, you know, he's a nice player and everything, but he was never going to crack their top 11. And I'm surprised they got this much money for him. But when you start putting all these pieces together, you can kind of see how uh, the shifts in the in the marketplace actually work to not just uh, Major League Soccer's favor, but specifically Dallas's favor. Yeah, it's, I think it's perfectly fair to say that the third striker at Benfica is pretty damn good. You know, even if he's not going to crack their top tier. Um, it, it, it's not just the idea that, as you say, that there's these guys that are in their low 20s, low to mid 20s, who now are a market that Dallas, Dallas in particular, and MLS for sure can get into. And some of that is because of the way Messi has raised the profile and the spin that's happening and the league is continuing to itch up, inch upwards. But it's also the level of play. It's like guys that are like this guy, that are the third guy at a club and can't quite break in. Now see MLS is a very viable choice where before he might've said, oh, I'll go to a slightly worse Portuguese team or I'll go to a lower division La Liga team or I'll go to a lower or maybe a top Dutch team. You know, now MLS is right there in that conversation for those guys. So it's, it's the two way street. In fact, both the Dallas can afford those guys. MLS can afford those guys, but that they also want to come here. So it, it's, it's an exciting time and a new tier. And I, I, I said on Twitter, I think that it was a, a new era, you know, in MLS and FC Dallas that they're spending this kind of money and that this kind of player is coming here. And somebody joked around that it, uh, I think it was Garrett Belser who said it was a new, new era because there've been so many times we've said it's a new year before, and this is what MLS 5.0 or whatever. But certainly the idea that we've talked about that the hunts are going out, this is not peppy money. This is hunt pocket money. It's not Jesus Ferrer money. It's hunt pocket money. Mm -hmm. 13 million or 10 million could go to 13, whatever it is. You know, we knew that Alan Velasco was peppy money. This is not peppy money. So this is a different era for sure. And hopefully it pays off because the last time we, they saw something crazy was Danielson and it didn't work and they put their hands in their pockets and didn't spend for years. So hopefully this pays off and we can keep the club, see a club operating at this level. Yeah. You know, in this thread uh, from John Parker, and you can find this if you want and you're on Twitter, it's uh, his account is at JP, the number three soccer. And the one uh, tweet in the thread that I'll I'll read here that I think is interesting because this really kind of transforms how we think about MLS is now 
a two to five million dollar transfer fee can get you a top quality 24 to 26 year old seven to 12 million can get you a best 11 player who will re-sign with you that same price gets you far less than it used to with young players and and that to me is the thing that is really transformative for this league is that as the rest of the world has shifted to looking at younger things it really now has fallen into this really interesting place for for the united states league yeah to sign these guys. And in fact, what was interesting was when I was uh, uh, sharing, having a conversation about the signing of Musa with my friend Lars, who obviously, for those who don't know, is a, a soccer journalist over in Europe, his immediate reaction was, he's like, man, I can't believe how much money there is in MLS for guys like this. Yeah. He was really impressed. And I had never thought of it that way. And maybe because this has been creeping up this way slowly over the last five years or so, it never dawned on me that MLS is like throwing out serious levels of dough to compete with that, you know, not the top leaders in uh, uh, leagues in Europe, but maybe that second and third tier below it. Yeah, this, this is why FIFA has been doing everything in their power to make soccer viable in the United States was because they knew all along, and certainly we have all known from American sports about the power and money that American sports have. And that if MLS ever reached anything close to the other levels of leagues here in the United States, that they would be one of the major players in the world in terms of money. And we're seeing MLS, as you say, reach a new tier where they, they've, the whole league has reached a new tier of caliber player that they're able to go get. This league is even from, uh, forget 10 years ago, even from a couple of years ago, you know, the, the acceleration as Messi was going to come and, and post pandemic, when other clubs were running out of money and didn't have money and FC Dallas in particular, but also other clubs in the MLS were still had money and everybody else didn't, you know, that's when they started to make this elevation and that's in the league. Honest to God, the league is now cranked up to a higher level, you know, and wherever you want to have these arguments about where it is. But if you look at the amount of spend they have, they're one of the top 10 leagues in the world in terms of the salaries they can churn out, the spends they can make. It's still not the top level, but, it's still higher than it was. Yeah. So it's a, it's a. I really do think we're looking at, you know, it's not just messy. It's that's part of it, but really it's the, the the spending power and the money generating capabilities that U.S. teams have and MLS teams have and the people that they hire know how to do in this country that a lot of other places and teams don't know how to do to generate revenue like we do here in the United States. Yeah, and unfortunately, the goalposts are always going to shift because as Dallas always. gets into the, into the position of spending you know, double digits in the transfer fee, something they've never done before, well, now the problem is they've only done it once. And there are yep. other clubs that have done that two and three times in a particular season just to kind of bolster their roster. And it just, it just, you know, it just never ends really. Well, so. the hunts have always been about the long-term business model, you know, and they've always, and, and since they've taken over this team, they've inched it up and inched it up and inched it up. They're never going to make these big, gigantic, huge leaps out of an airplane or off a cliff. They're going to keep inching it up and there'll be mm -hmm. people that'll be above them in terms of their aggressiveness and their spend and their willingness to risk. The hunts are never going to be that way. You know, but they're going to continue to keep stepping it up. It seems quite clearly we're in the middle of conversations about players that cost 10 to $13 million, which is new, and another stadium upgrade of something like $150 million. So, I mean, it's continuing to be their constant step forward in terms of the money, you know, and, and not necessarily anymore coming from spend, from, from sales. It's coming from just them doing it. Yeah. So hopefully it goes well, as you say, so that they continue to 
compete because at the start of this winter, Peter, how much did we talk about? Do you have the ambition, right? It's not like they, it's not like we thought there were signs that they didn't necessarily, but there weren't signs that there were. And now they've, they've proven that they do have that ambition, you know, maybe not like relative to the hunts, relative to the hunts. Everything's always relative. You know, that's the thing we always have to talk about. Always remember the hunts on this team and they're never going to not own this team. They consider it their father's legacy. They have so much money that FC Dallas to them is nothing really relatively speaking. So they're not worried about like, you know, what they're worried about is not losing crazy money and the league collapsing. That's what they're worried about. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's like they're I think you can tell they're learning that that's not happening as they're more willing to make these spends like this. That, again, not enter Miami, not Toronto, but not FC Dallas of two years ago, even. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about your comment about the stadium improvement and the timing of all of that, and how long it's yeah. going to take. And I mean, they're obviously not going to be able to even begin on that this season because they will have sold tickets and people's expectations. So that's not even going to start. Well, based on the time frame that I've been hearing, you, I think you could expect to see some sort of activity by midseason. You know, I don't know whether you'll see shovels in the ground or things being knocked down, but I think by midseason, you should 100% have like in my, from my sources, I feel like you'll have at least an announcement. Okay, and maybe maybe even action by midseason. But that doesn't mean actually changing the 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 shape, like actually b- tearing down parts of the stadium before the season's over. I, well, it, I I don't think. And this is just my read of the many people I've talked to. I don't think it would impact seats this year. It can't. I think you could start seeing impact potentially outside of seats this yeah. year, perhaps. Interesting. Because, okay. you know, because like if, you, if they're talking about relatively speaking around the World Cup finishing or shortly after that, they got to get going. They got to get going. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, that's so, what made me yeah. think about that. And the, and the funny thing was, uh, I don't know if you saw the story uh, in the news that's been floating around the last 24 hours that that the growth in Collin County is so immense that there's somebody, I don't know who it is, is suggesting that Frisco is the next major area of the Dallas-Fort Worth area to the point where we may start calling it DFFW, <laughs> Dallas-Frisco-Fort yeah. Worth. Well, I guarantee you the Hunts are well aware of that kind of thing. Yes, yes. And, and and the commitment to staying in Frisco and, and, and keeping their base there and having the foresight, you know, almost 15 yeah. years ago to plant their seed there is is crazy that it may turn into that. Well, and they know the people that are not, maybe not specifically, but they're in the same stratosphere and in the same rooms as people that did the PGA thing coming there and do like the new amusement park and do like the other, the Ford. I mean, they're, they're pals with the Joneses, right? So, you know, they're well aware of all that. Their willingness to spend on that stadium is because of that. And I'm not just, I'm not just making up this timeline. This is a timeline Dan Hunt has talked about. Mm -hmm. And the math is very simple and even not just math. Like the word we hear from various different peoples is that you might see activity relatively soon. Hmm. Okay. Well, I wasn't expecting that uh, in today's episode, but that's good yeah, stuff. Yeah, it wasn't on the rundown. That was an <laughs> I didn't throw in. Where was it in the rundown? It was not. I said oh, it, it was not in the rundown. Yeah. Okay. That was not in red ground. All right. Well, while we're sitting around talking about all that stuff, the team is over in Spain doing Spain stuff, and they've played a series of friendlies, uh, hit and miss here and there. I've buzz. I have the only thing that I've seen from there is maybe the highlight stuff. Uh, the, the team has put out on social media. Other than that, I've seen none of it. So I'm going to depend on you to tell me what the good and the bad or, or whatever it is. Yeah. To know. 
the the two games to, that were today, um, that one was a reserve game, one was a, more of a starter sort of game. Today the, being the, Thursday. Today being Thursday. Yeah, those two games were not streamed. So we didn't see those two. And that was against Malmo and, and Odd. Um, <laughs> the Malmo reserve team. I know, I love that name. The Malmo was was the reserve game, and the our, uh, the FC Dallas reserves got smoked one to four. But then the the second game against Odd FC Dallas, more of a starterish kind of team, not quite, but close. One four to one, so that was positive. And then the other games were the uh, the game to start off the whole trip was against Odense, and that was a zero zero draw. It was a very boring flat game. And then uh, Allborg was a three one comeback win. Um, and there's only some big takeaways, macro level takeaways, because it is spring. They're still, you know, getting their legs underneath them. There's, there's players that are very important that are not there that are Paxson, Jesus, let alone Velasco, uh, Giovanni Jesus, your guy, which is not, of course, how you actually say his name. Um, <laughs> Giovanni Jesus <laughs> yeah, Gio- is how you yeah. say his name. Giovanni Jesus is how Peter says his name. Uh, Giovanni was not there. So, um, you know, but there's, there are some takeaways. They continue to play the three, four, three. You know, but if you read the quote for the post game, coach says the new formation we're continuing to work on, not like we're making this complete change. So, but they are leaning into it really hard. So right now, we're kind of expecting that to be the formation for the start of the season because they they're, they're playing nothing but that basically in any of these games. So that's something we'll talk about more as we get closer to the season. Uh, Dante Seely has awoken. In the last two games, he's had four goals. Two of them on free kicks, and I've seen them both, and they're nice. And he's had two assists also in the last two games. Um, and he had some quotes about his mentality being changed and talked about like the what he's doing off the field and that kind of stuff. But it, it ain't off the field, or maybe off is a part of it, but what's changed, and, and this is from watching the video too, it's not that his off-field mentality has changed, his on-field mentality has changed because Dante Seeley has always had talent. But he always – never really knew what to do with it. I'm going all the way back to the Academy days all the way to now. He kind of just played it like an 80% clip, but these last couple of games that I've seen on tape with him and in the highlights we've seen in him, that's not the case anymore. He's now playing aggressively and that's a mentality change in that. And it was really nice to see him wake up. And if you buy into like the formations we've seen in the last couple of days, it's entirely possible that he's won the wingback job on that left side, you know, and part of that is due to the nature of the way the three, four, three works. We've talked about how those those the, the two players in the front three and why the club calls it a 2-1 instead of a three is because those two guys are underneath like two tens. That opens that wide channel for that wing. And that wing, it's not like Farfan when he would get forward last year in a 4-4-2 or, or sorry, a, a 4-3-3. That wing is not expected to be the high attacking outside player. It's an underneath support player. This year in this formation, that wing back has to play that whole line and has to become that high outside wing that's going to go at people, which is why you see attacking players like Dante Seeley or Herbert Indole or Bernie Camungo playing those wing back positions. And it, it might be, we might be looking at, and I'm quite serious about this. If Dante continues the way he's going, he might have beaten out Marco Farfan for that starting wing back job. Whoa. Yeah. That's what's Farfan has been going with a, more of a second group. Dante's been going more with his first group, and he's got four goals and two assists in the last two games. Do we have any? I mean, have you seen any evidence that he's doing the defending, the defensive part of it? Well, that's the downside is that the first game that I've watched where he had the two goals, I watched the whole half he played, 
And the other team did not make him play any defense at all. Mm -hmm. So that is the caveat. This is a very, this is still the way Nico Estevez wants to play, which is the formation when you go forward is different than the formation in transition and is different than the formation in back. So you're still talking about that wing back, Dante specifically, having to come back and play that outside flat back five when, when you're sitting back into your low block. That's where Dante could get in trouble. And that's where Marco Fanfan would be much more comfortable for coach and defensively about himself, but also just for coach's mentality and his defensive first ways. But remember, this season is all about trying to add those goals. And if you have Farfan as a wingback, he's not going to contribute. He's not an attacking winger who's going to slash at you like Dante Seeley is. So, so is this a is this potentially a formation that they're they're trialing and trying to be able to play for when they need to come from behind or a game where maybe they're not as worried about the defending aspect of it? Maybe, but it's pretty much as near as we can tell, other than a short stint where they went a 4-4-2. They've played this formation pretty much the whole way, and that's a lot of commitment to this formation yeah. if it's not going to be the base formation. You know, in the spring, the, the first the, the training that I was able to witness before they left, they used three different formations in training. But then in the games, we've only seen 3-4-3. Not only. We saw that one little stretch. But 90% 3-4-3. Mm -hmm. And it, the more they continue to work on it, the more we're going to think that that's going to be the opening day thing. You know? so, so in we'll this 3-4-3, who have been the three center backs? Um, well, it depends. It's been shifting a lot. It's almost always, of course, Ibiaga and Tafari. Mm -hmm. And then the other person has been rotating a lot. It's 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 been um, the two rookies, Westergren and Humphrey, who are basically just getting lots of chances to see how good they are. It looks like when they're making these choices like, OK, I'm rolling out my very best, which is what you do the, the deeper you go into the season. So like today, it was back to Sam Joka, who who was started in that spotlight versus Miami. Our expectation would be Junka would be that left center back, as we saw him do last year, as he's done more often when you think you're going with your real-ish 11, you know, which, by the way, is including Dante Seeley. So Ibiaga right, the Tafari center, Sam Junko left, center back, looks like trending towards that for opening day. Hmm. Omar's been in the center all the time as the second guy. Course has been on the right as the second guy behind Ibiaga. And then you've also gotten some Turner Humphrey and Mads Westergren and, and in that sort of left spot trying to see what they have. Any further update or movement on the Japanese center back? Other than that initial first reference that somebody put out, nothing. There's been okay. it's gone completely cold. Which you know, at the time we discussed that idea that it might be complete junk. You know, you know. So. It seems improbable. Improbable to me that for all the noise that we were making about needing an extra center back when we thought they were playing two center backs. The idea that they would go and start playing three center backs and not have signed another center back outside of um, yeah. Omar s seems almost ridiculous. Well, it's potentially they're really happy with Sam Junka, potentially. That's okay. very possible. And he's a great utility player. I mean, yeah. that guy's uh, showed off a ton of skill set, so maybe he is the, yep. the solve. Or one of those two rookies, or both, are doing good enough that now they're comfortable. You know, once you go to Spain, you're kind of getting into your, like, okay, what do we really have sort of mode? When you come out of Spain, hopefully you've made some decision about, okay, we're comfortable, or nope, we got to go get something. And then and then you go, remember, this first window doesn't even close till like, April, right? So... 
they've got lots of time early in the year. And, but I 100% agree with you. If you don't sign either one of those rookies and you go into a season with only five center backs and you're playing three at the back, that's problematic. You know, and I'm counting Sam Junka as one of those five. You know, if you don't count him as five, you've only got four. And then if you're playing three at the back and you've only got four on your entire roster, now you have a real problem because the minute one guy gets hurt, then you have no backups at all, let alone like two guys getting hurt. I mean, imagine if Nikosi gets hurt, how much trouble they're going to be at center back. I mean, Omar looks decent. He looks pretty solid. But if they lose to Farai, that's then you're looking at like two of your back three starters are going to be in their 30s. And the other one's going to be Sam Junka, who we like, but, you know, so. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah, we pointed that out when <laughs> they <laughs> signed, yeah. signed Omar and, and Zanata told you they weren't signing anybody else. That was kind yeah. of the, the reaction to and that. And then they news. went three at the back. I mean, that's why, like, we, we said a couple of weeks ago, if they stick with this formation, surely they have to go get a center back. But I, I will say, that, like, right now the math on the roster is the roster's full. So they would have to do something to make a space, even if they want to sign one of these rookies, they would have to do something. Now there are lots of things they can do. It's easily doable, but you do have to do something. You can't do nothing and add them. You have to make some other kinds of roster moves, whether it be loans to other clubs, loans in North Texas, cut somebody, different buyout, whatever it is, you know, you can't effectively just go sign somebody right now because there's no space. So I want to go back to uh, Dante for a second. Yeah. Uh, because he's really been the only player that we've heard anything about coming out of Europe, specifically from the club that I can think of. Um, but the surprise for me was that he scored from free kicks. Like yeah, when too. did when did yeah. this when did this become a, a tool in his bag, or has this always been something he's been able to do? We just are now finally getting to see it. I don't remember him ever getting this opportunity when he was in the academy. Yeah, me so either. He either dug it up in Europe when because he didn't do it when he came back here last year. Or maybe somebody just finally gave him a chance because he's pinged two of them like right inside the post, one from one side and one from the other, if I remember correctly. Um, you know, it's remarkable. I mean, there's some other guys in camp that have done some good things, and I think we can talk about some of them. But, you know, over this week that they've been in Spain, clearly Dante Sealy has changed something significantly and blown up. And there's even a couple of really funny videos out where the players on the team are recognizing that and laughing about it and have, making fun of him because he's a young kid, you know, teasing him a bit about, you know, here we go and that kind of stuff. And I mean, again, we'll, it's a short stint. We'll see if it continues, but he did, he did openly in those inner post game quotes, talk about a different mindset from himself off the field. And if it translates professionally to on the field, as it seems like it might be happening. I mean, he's always had so much talent. It would be awesome if he, if this was an explosion we're about to witness. Hmm. So, what does it mean, if anything, that we're not really hearing anything about other players other than Dante? Is is everybody else having just kind of an average preseason? Well, no. And the fact we've only seen half the games makes it tough. You know, they're only posting clips of the goals. Like, Farrington scored two goals this week. I mean, that's uh -huh. a good sign, right? The, the rookie they picked. Yeah. Um, Herbert Indele has had some really nice performances I at right wing back. I saw that really nice goal that he scored, I think, yeah. in, the, in the second game. I mean, like, like, right, like today, if they had to start a game, I think Indele might be in that mix at right wing back because Tuomasi's just gotten back from this ankle injury in the in the game that they showed that he played. He looked like he was about 80, 85%. He didn't have that explosive first step. Um, you know, G, uh, Giovanni Jesus is out. So, like, who else do you have over there? Maybe, I mean, it might, 
Endless has a good spring. I mean, otherwise you'd be looking at like Bernard Camungo, you know, at, at right wing back who has admittedly not been great at wing back when they put him over there. Still trying to figure out. He, he has looked a little better more recently, but you know, he does not have a couple of great games over there. So right wing back is a big question mark based some somewhat on health, but also based on adaptation of these new players trying mm. it out. And really that's yeah. about it. I mean, Yaramendi sat out today. Um, one of the games, uh, he had some family around, but I think also he had a little bit of tightness somewhere. Um, Siki and Sebling sat out today, but apparently he's hurt, not hurt, sick. Apparently he was sick. So um, he hasn't had a really good camp, though. Unfortunately, it looks he's looked poor. Um, that really is about it, you know. I Have mean, we heard anything about Legette or Ariola? I mean, they've they've looked. Uh, Ariola's had some nice assists. Yeah, he had he had two assists today, based on the clips they showed. Um, so he's he looks a little bright. Legette's been playing. I, we haven't seen enough to really say for sure whether he's been good or not. Um, Enos Sali looks very direct, very interesting, really willing to go at people. That he's kind of fun. You know, not um, much more direct than Velasco, for example. Other than that, you know, really it's been kind of, uh, that's about it. You know, but again, there's so many guys that are missing. Pax and Jesus aren't there. You know what I mean? I mean, one of the biggest, one of the biggest risers of this entire camp is still Diego Garcia, the North Texas kid, the 17 year old kid who's been playing great. And he's probably outplayed, you know, guys on the actual roster like Pondeca, um, like Siki and Sebling, you know, but he's not, he's on the North Texas roster. So he's probably got some time, but you remember they have before, you know, come out of their Euro camp or their spring camp and torn up a contract and change things. So, you know, they're, they're not afraid. The, the, the most recent example is Antonio Carrera. Remember he had a hybrid deal mm-hmm. He played really well. So they tore it up and made him a first team deal. So they're not afraid to make a move at the last minute. So, you know, don't be shocked when they come back, they're coming back tomorrow. So don't be shocked if they come back tomorrow and then they have two weeks to the first game that and they have that game against DC. So, you know, between now and DC or shortly after DC, if they decide something's going somewhere or another, they might make a move. When know? is the DC and DC is the last official That's the uh, last yeah. exhibition game. Yeah, and like season ticket holders got a ticket to that game. Uh I think they have other tickets on sale for something like twenty five bucks or something. And when is, is it? Uh, I assume without looking, I'm looking at my phone right now, but I'm assuming it's around the 17th or 18th because you want to have, uh, you want to maintain your once a week game structure. Uh, here it is Saturday, the 17th. Yeah. One, next one Saturday. PM. Okay. Yeah. You want to maintain that Saturday. game every Saturday structure. So without even looking, I would have assumed it was on the 17th and it is, it's at one o'clock and, and there are tickets for sale. Uh, you know, they're not $5 like I would think spring would be, but you know, they are out there. So, you know, I, I just, I would not be shocked at all. If there is some kind of move to come, I would also not be shocked if this, they're like, Nope, this is it. We're good. So I still think if you're really playing three, they're better go, go get a center back. Honestly. So written here in the, uh, towards the end of, uh, your world famous mm. red crayon handwritten run sheet is this yeah. sentence, the disturbing way everyone played versus Dallas in Europe. Yeah. Now, again, I did not see the two games today on Thursday, but the first two games, the teams that played against them did the exact same thing. And that made me think that, okay, they have really quickly figured out something about the way Dallas plays. Um, and it has to do with when Dallas wants to build out of the back. And so 
You know how Dallas does it. They have uh, Paws or Maurer or whoever has the ball at his feet, and they have the center backs kind of flanking him, right? Like Ibiaga's on one side, Tafari's on the other, and the sixes are checking back, and they want to try and do this build out, whether they go down the side or perhaps go up the middle. And so what the other teams are all doing, and they and they so far every clip I've seen of a SC trying to build out, they do this. They basically park guys across the top of the box. Mm-hmm. And they'd wait for the keeper to do something. They don't press the keeper. They just stand there. And then, so eventually the keeper will try and play the ball out. And the second he makes that pass, they crash hard to whatever center back or six or whatever player that he's trying to go the ball to. So, but that in most cases, that's Ibiaga, it's Tafari, maybe it's Omar. It perhaps is Carl Sante, who's a North Texas player that's over there. Maybe it's Ben Nolan. Norris in midfield. Maybe it's been um, Frazier in midfield. These are players that are not elite at receiving the ball, shielding a guy off, turning and making a move and finding a, a, a avenue to make a pass and release. Pressure. The hipsters would say they are not press resistant. Yes, they are not. They are not. They are, and basically, like they're so. And it happened over and over and over again. And these teams kept turning Dallas over right there at the top of the box over and over and over again. And they kept doing it and doing it and doing it. I'm like, okay, this is clearly a problem. And probably is what Coach was talking about when he said that we've discovered ways that are, this is not working for us playing this way. And it was rough watching. I mean, it was brutal. I was like, oh, my God. Please. Eventually, they started hoofing it. You know, Paws would just blast it up the field just to get him out of that pressure. Because they basically, like, these guys don't play for Manchester City, these center backs, right? These are just MLS guys. And mm-hmm. when you put that kind of pressure on them, they're not – they're not even Tanner Testman capable of like shielding a guy off and turning and getting a pass off. ERR Mindy is, but he's not in there all the time. He's only one guy. Mm. So it's just a red flag watching these teams all do the exact same thing. And if they've figured it out, then MLS teams are going to figure it out. You would think if they would scout some of this tape, they would see it. So that's an area that they need to work on because it's clearly problematic. Uh, and we'll see how they, like again, because we couldn't watch the games today, maybe they solved it, but they did win big in the second game. So maybe they figured it out when they have their first team in there. Maybe it's just a younger player problem, but it was clearly a problem over the first couple of games. Note to self, Dallas needs press resistant, ball carrying, yeah. high passing ability center back. Well, isn't that the way the world's games played now? Yeah, Those guys are worth yeah. 80 million to hundred million dollars. If you can do that, right? <laughs> Yeah, crazy. Yeah, well, that's uh, we'll see. One to put a pocket. One to one to put a pin in, Buzz. If you've made that observation and see how that plays out as the season rolls out, Um, because I mean that's the thing to remember. People don't. You have to think about when you play a three-man center back. You're taking a center mid, generally a center mid, off the field for a center back. Yeah, and so players that are probably more naturally press resistant are. You've lost one of those. Yeah. For somebody who probably isn't wanting to be closed down at the top of the box yeah. with the I mean, ball at their feet. It, it, it would help if it's Pomical instead of Frazier. That helps. Right. So Well, uh, or yeah. or or yeah. maybe or Pomical versus um Omar or uh, yeah. Ibiaga or to, even Tafari. Although Tafari is pretty good with the ball at his yeah. feet. He's not a set in one of their center mids. No, no, no. You know, in the way that the way Dallas uses the center backs to sort of flank that keeper in that situation and the and the what's ordinarily the outside guys are stepping higher. You know, it doesn't quite work exactly the same way in 3-4-3, three, three, but if essentially your sixes are coming back 
when you're playing a double double pivot, those guys are trying to come back and show for the ball. Those wingbacks are out there trying to show for the ball, and it's like it's not getting to them, mm. or they're getting closed down the second it gets there, and then all of a sudden you're getting turned over and they're on you fast. So it's, you know, it's the high press everyone does. It's just a clear trigger on not on the keeper. It's when the pass comes out, and so they either have to figure that out, play a different way, or something. I'm sure the coaches are working on it. You know, I'm yeah. sure they'll have a plan. Well, they better. Well, uh, two wins, one loss, one draw. They scored eight goals, gave up six in yeah. the four games. So not terrible. And yeah. uh, and maybe uh, the the, re- the the awakening of Dante Sealy is a storyline that will boy, uh, wouldn't it be crazy? Yeah, yeah, come through. Yeah, boy, having him show up and pop up as an actual producer Finally? this season would be oh, yeah. a huge help to this team in a lot of ways. Uh, we, we still don't know how they're going to resolve the loss of Velasco for however long that is and that hole and all that stuff. So, yeah. I mean, the thing about Dante is he's 21 now. It's 20 now, right? So it's like we're starting to approach the point at which you'd have been asking questions because it'll be 21 in April. Yeah. You're like, okay, is this going to happen or not? And so if it really is happening, that's great. Hmm. Okay. And you, they, you say they travel back tomorrow? Tomorrow, yeah. You know, whether that means like it's actually like right now, you know, and they land tomorrow, I don't really know. It's just that's on the schedule as they come back on the 9th, which is okay. tomorrow as we're recording this. Yeah, I got the email about the press conference. So uh, the, the coaching yeah. available. I think that's. Neither Dan or I can go. So you're welcome to go represent FC Dallas, third degree at the FC Dallas press conference if you like. I think I'm on the air then. Oh, there you go. Well, none of yeah. us will cover it. Yeah. They don't need us anyway. It's not for us. Uh, all right. Let's see. Next up on the list. So tell me, showing off my generational situation, I have no idea what the hoopla is over this. Uh, I got an email from the club announcing some sort of partnership with the brand, or it's, I guess it's called True Brand. True that Brand, make the, yeah. yeah. that make the, the hats that Dak Prescott made famous for wearing uh, the hat yep. that has the word Dallas upside down. Upside down, yeah. It's a thing. I mean, you're you're an old, you're, you're a gray hair. So Thanks, you, Buzz. You're not, I mean, you and me both. Um, you may remember that I first reported that the the, the owner of True Brand was out the, at SC Dallas training, and I talked to him like back in like August. Yeah. And I reported that that was happening, and people got very excited. The youngs got very excited. The young, the young. So <laughs> that thing has come to fruition. It's super cool. There's three different hats that are FC Dallas branded, and they have deals with all the other big teams in town. You can get their hats, you know, on the website. They have other merch too, but that famous upside down hats, their big brand, and they have, uh, you know, NFL. Is there significance to turning the? Word Dallas upside down that I'm unaware of. I think the idea was just to be sort of unique and different. And then Dak Prescott loved it and wore, started wearing it around. And, and for all I know, I think is invested in the company perhaps. But, yeah. um, you know, they have deals with the stars and they have deals with all the clubs in town and they do the colors to match the clubs and they'll even put the club logo on there. It's just a very, very popular hat, very cool hat. Other people have ripped it off all over the United States. It's just a thing, it's very trendy. You know, maybe a year later, it's not Astrani, but it's still very ubiquitous and everywhere you go. And, and the players love it. Like the players were. And ahead. they're the giant hats. Yeah. They're, well, they probably have a couple of different varieties, but they're the big hats the kids wear with a relatively flat brim. And I'm telling you, like, I have never seen players more excited than when that guy was out there about a potential <laughs> partnership. They were hyped about it. Um, and you can just see from the photos that they have all over the place with that thing. It's an absolutely phenomenal thing that they've done it, except. 
they've done what FCD always done. And this to me is makes it awful and stupid. And I'm going to dare say moronic. They've <laughs> tied the stupid. You've already hats. said awful and stupid, Buzz. Don't be afraid to move to yeah. moronic. <laughs> they've, they've, they're not, this is a team that needs to build its brand awareness. Is that fair? Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so far keyword, all they're doing is they're offering a ticket package where if you buy the ticket package, you get, you get a hat. So instead of letting you just buy the hat, wear it around, build brand awareness, people going like, man, that's a badass hat. Oh my God. I'm so excited. Nope. Now you got to pay 60, 70, $80 to get a hat and a ticket. Or you can buy a ticket to the cocktails and cleats and then you can get a hat. Or if you're already a season ticket holder, then you'll have a chance to get a hat. But at that point, it's like, and as long as they still have some point being, it's a limited run. They've attached only to buying tickets. They're Wait, not, you mean like the, the kid across the street from me who's into soccer? Can't get one. Can't just go online and buy the hat? No, nope, not without getting a ticket to some game. So like the, these FC Dallas hats, as of today, I checked. They is, are it li- not, is, is it limited availability and that's yes, why they're doing this? Yes. And this hat, is it's not on the True Brand website. They're only doing it apparently through FC Dallas and getting tickets. So they're trying to use it as a ticket driver rather than a brand builder. Hence me saying it's moronic. Yeah, that makes no sense. It's completely backwards for a club like FC Dallas. I'm trying to figure out the thinking behind that because if you make it super limited availability and you're using it as a driver to get people to convert to season ticket sales, but inevitably at some point, if the hat is that big of a deal, you're then going to sell the hat separately from tickets, and those who bought the seats and tickets to get the hat are going to be pissed because they thought they got something exclusive. Well, I'm not sure that they're going to have things beyond that. Uh... Well, well, then that that then my 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 reaction to that, without thinking about it too much, is if these hats are as a big a deal as uh, to your point, why yeah. are you using them to drive ticket sales and not as a promotional vehicle? That's what I'm saying. Like, why is it not on their website? Why is it not a build your brand in the larger DFW community? Why is it something you're only selling to people that already want to buy a ticket? Perhaps like some of them are, some of the tickets are like one of them's a military appreciation night, which is like a Wednesday, you know, so they're trying to get you to buy the ticket to that game to get that hat because it's going to be a low selling game. Right. One of them's with the 4th of July game. Obviously that's going to be a huge game anyway. So why is yeah, that one weird? Aired? Huh. Why would you do that game? So yeah, I mean, so it, that that seems so obviously counterintuitive to yes. how you and I would do it. My reaction is, I would love to hear somebody from the club explain the thought process behind it, because maybe there's a reason that, and it once they explain it, would go, oh, okay, I didn't think about it that way. And the third game is also a Wednesday game, and the four in the July Fourth of July game is a Thursday game. So they've paired it to these midweek games to try and drive you to buy a ticket for a game. Yeah, see, this makes me wonder if True Brand only did the deal if Dallas bought the inventory up front. Yeah. And so Dallas didn't want to invest too much in hats. They didn't know how many they could sell, and they didn't want to end up with an inventory of something that maybe turned out to be not to be the hot seller. That, that Yeah, that's my read is they did a 1,000 of each hat, and, the, and they put these pickers, you know, limited supply, done, over. Huh. 
And to me, like, listen, I'm sure somebody there will push back on my take. I'm sure that they'll have a take. You and I have been through this now for 30 years, dude. Almost. Well, here, here's my buzz. I don't, uh, yeah. I, the, the hat does not appeal to me, and I don't have an understanding of how popular these hats are. So you seem to understand, you, you're, my read on your judgment is that these things are crazy popular, like Pokemon cards back in the day, and everybody's going to want one. So why, sh they, yeah. Is that I mean, what you're it, saying? It may not be. It may not be that everybody wants one, but this is a very, very popular hat. And for to, for to for it to not be on the True Brand website and not be available to the general public who you want to be wearing the hat around, yeah, is to me crazy. I mean, I am certainly aware of the the bit of the upside down Dallas thing yes. that I've seen Dak, Dak Prescott and other people wear. So I'm aware of it. Yeah, I just didn't realize it was that big of a deal. But I but if it is if if they're that popular as you say they are, the the uh, way they've rolled this out does not make any sense. I agree yeah. with you. I mean, if you go to their website, you'll see that they're one of their mo's actually is they do relatively limited runs of hats and they sell them out. So sometimes they are a hot item because they're partially scarce, right? So they do sell out. But that's the thing is like you're not taking advantage of the true brand ability to get into the community and get into these more higher profile star venues, like trend setting kind of environments and people, right? You're only going to use them to try and drive trick tickets instead of trying to drive brand awareness. Yeah. So I guess if, if, if true brand said, Hey, we're just going to make you a thousand of each of these hats, you figure out what you want to do with them and you can buy them yeah. from us. Dallas made the decision to tie it to ticket sales versus yep. just make them open to the public. Interesting. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll see. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I feel confident that the hat's going to be popular enough that they're going to sell them all out. But it comes down to the idea of so you're, you're using it with people that already know you and like you and want your ticket rather than people that maybe didn't know you and might want to learn about you and find out what this was all about. So maybe it's, maybe it's a, maybe my, Ideas are more macro, large market, all of DFW thinking. And maybe I'm crazy. Maybe that's why I'm not in the marketing business. Maybe it's why I don't sell tickets. I mean, maybe they're right and I'm wrong, but I just think it's crazy. You know how I feel about these marketing things, you know. Gimmicks. Well, it doesn't. I mean, I the way that you explain it does not make sense, but I have to assume there's some madness yeah. to the method that I'm unaware Maybe of. Maybe there's something I don't know. Maybe there's something I don't know. I just, when I read all the details today, I was like, I just was held my head in my hand. I couldn't believe it. It's backwards to me. Yeah. That is really, really queer. All right. Yeah. Um, okay. So there we go. Uh, what I mean, else to do give we you have? a read, Peter? There's a bunch of people in, our, in like our discord, for example, that were annoyed because now they can't get one. They can't get a hat. Why? Aren't they season ticket holders? No, a lot of them are not. A lot of them buy tickets on a shorter run basis than oh. that. Or they're not going to cocktails and cleats. You know, it's just, you know. And the thing is, like, is that season ticket holders are, are like the third option. The first two options are to buy this special ticket or to go to the cocktails and cleats. And then if there are any left over, then there'll be a chance for season ticket people to buy one. So it's like you kind of have to know that and be already reaching out to your rep. Like, hey, if there's one left, I want one. You know what I mean? And they could all be gone. They could sell out with these single game tickets. They could sell them all out. And now some of your hardcore are not going to get one. They might not even get all the way through to the season ticket holders is what I'm saying. Yeah. So it's like, I don't, 
it's all set up to just drive some single ticket sales to those three games <laughs> as soon as i can tell yeah well they'll probably send five of them up to the radio station and they'll end up sitting in a box in the corner of the oh if that happens grab me one uh well i'm not allowed <laughs> to do that but that uh, there's so many promo so many teams this isn't exclusive uh to the soccer team but yeah you know, stuff gets sent from all sorts of places to the radio station, to the to the different hosts of the different shows. And those guys were like, I don't need another T-shirt or another hat yeah. or whatever. And they all end up just getting left in the corner of a room in a pile. And it's... I'll tell you a slightly funny version of that. I was at Nesson in Boston when I was finishing grad school, New England Sports Network, when in 96 when the league launched. And I was working at Nesson, and they sent a jersey. The Revolution sent a jersey to Nesson, and they gave it to me. <laughs> because I was the only soccer person oh, they cared. that cared. So I have an original 96 Revs jersey in my closet that's that I awesome. got because of that. Because, so that's a perfect example of what you mean. Like they, they sent them out there. It's like nobody wanted it. This is yeah. I ended up with it. Yeah. Yeah. Funny stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, look at us. We killed an hour, bud. You want to talk World Cup? Oh, yeah. Sure. If you want to. Yeah. I mean, we should mention it, I think, at least. Yeah. Okay. You know, Dan went to the announcement and he was pretty clear that like the room like just deflated, <laughs> just like came crumbling down. Uh, the funny thing that I found was that, you know, I had people that for two or three days before that were like, we're getting the final, we're getting the final. And I was like, dude, Infantino's in New York today for like, yeah. I'm like, what are you talking about? We're getting the final. They were like, what? I was like, yeah, dude, he ain't here. It's in New York. Yeah, the there were some World Cup people here. Uh, there here he was in New York. Um, I think it, I. I mean, I'm just speaking for myself. I I definitely feel like I got suckered into believing the vibe that was you know that had been going on for some time. I mean, it, yeah. Uh, I, Andy and I have talked about this on our show, which is uh, long before the leak came out in the Sun, almost three weeks ago. We had heard, uh, I, I'll just speak for myself. I can't tell you how many times somebody in either soccer or media circles in just the course of conversation would say, oh, by the way, have you also heard, or you didn't hear this from me, but yeah, Dallas is getting the final. And I'd go, where'd you hear that? I can't tell you, but you know, this is, but, and I, yeah. I heard that so many times that by the time the sun leak came out three weeks ago, despite the fact that it's a British tabloid and I know better than to just believe anything. I was like, Oh, you know what? That totally tracks with what I've been hearing for a long time now. So I got suckered into believing it like everybody else did. But 10 minutes before he announced it, yeah. when he made the comment of Dallas is getting the most games, I was I, my entire world came to a screeching halt. And I went, what, what did he just say? <laughs> because there was no way they were getting the most games and the, and final. the final. Yeah. Well, for, for quite a while, you and I have always heard that the, the Dallas was getting either a semi or the final. It was Dallas, SoFi, and, and Meadowlands were the three, and those were going to be the two finals and the semis in the final. You know, that's what we've been understanding all along. So I never was 100% bought into the idea it was the final. When it got leaked, I was like, well, that's fun. You and I talked about like the ridiculousness of running my house. So I'm actually really, really excited that there's going to be nine games, and I almost don't care that they don't have the final. I'm way more excited that there's nine games here. You know, and and not the U.S. game. I, now you may think I'm crazy that I don't want the U.S. game here. Not having the U.S. game means I'm way more likely to get to go to all those games and get tickets. Oh, 
Well, I, I, you know, uh, this is all stuff I'll, I'll talk about on our show on Saturday, uh, but I'll preview it here. Is I, I think that's the thing to me that I step back and think about this and go, you know what? <laughs> it was never going to be a final in Dallas because the way that this thing played out was exactly the way FIFA and Infantino, they got every single thing they wanted out of putting this tournament in the United States, Mexico, and Canada. Yeah. They got the glamour of, they got SoFi back in line after after Kroenke and those guys almost bailed out on the entire tournament. They got them back in line by giving them not one, but two U.S. group games. So now they have the glamour of SoFi in L.A. Yep. They get exactly what they wanted out of Dallas. This is what Dallas provided better than anybody else, which is the potential to generate metric F-tons of money in revenue. So now they're giving them nine games to do that. Yeah. And they get the prestige and gravitas of having the final in New York City. Jersey. Or, you know, whatever. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. They call it New York City. <laughs> I know they do. Just like they call Arlington Dallas. <laughs> yeah. But they get every yeah. single thing they want out of it. And when you look at it from that perspective, it was like, yeah, this is totally what was always going to happen. Yeah. And I think Dallas will still chase other things in the hunts obviously are chasing oh for sure teams being based here the referee center the headquarters yeah. the media center out at yeah, yeah the, yes and here's the other thing is that andy and i you know because we always uh, the kick around becomes a, a a daily show during the world cup right andy and i's initial planning for this world cup was to rent an rv and go drive around the country and do the show from the rv wow but dallas or arlington is getting uh, such a number of games that the diversity of national teams that'll be coming through North Texas is so great. You almost don't have to leave DFW to enjoy the world cup. Yeah. I mean, nine games is ridiculous in that small of a window and you'll see so many different teams come through here. It's going to be so much fun. I can't yeah. wait. The money we would save from having to travel could be spent on tickets to go to more games because yep. they're here. And I got a free part. I got a free place to park too. That's true. You do. It's a one mile walk, but you'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of a hundred hours at the door. Yeah. I, you know, I, it, it is, it's great. And I, I feel bad for the Dallas organizing committee and Monica Paul that the headline has been Dallas Ooh. failed when in reality, everything about this is a massive success. Yeah. It's only feels bad because people of the leak, which may or may not have been, Infantino trying to get a last little something something. Oh, he totally did. Yeah, that yeah. yes, that that is a good conspiracy theory one that I completely buy in oh, on yeah. is that he got Dallas to pony up as much as possible and got everybody worried about it to get his to squeeze the New York lemon as tight as he could. <laughs> yeah, yeah Jerry's sure. doing his big upgrade anyway, so that's fine, you know. It'll look good. Yeah, I think we're having Monica Paul on the radio show on the 17th. Don't make her cry. Oh man, I feel so bad for her. You know how know. long she's been working on this? I mean, I mean, years obviously, and she's very nice. Yeah. No, you know, you no. Uh, when you yeah. say years, I don't think you understand. She has literally been working on this mm. for fifteen years. Wow. Okay. No, I didn't know that. Fifteen years of her life have been spent for that moment. And well, I've told uh, you before yeah. that Jerry built that stadium with the idea of getting this final. Yeah. The thing is designed to try and get this final. It's crazy that he didn't get it. I thought yeah. Jerry Juice was going to pull for sure, but nope. Well, there you go. In some ways, I think it. I, look, I would rather have nine games with the selection we get than seven games in a final. Yeah, because I'm not getting tickets to the final, so I'm happy to have nine games. I probably can't even get a semi ticket, but I bet I can get a fair amount of tickets for the first other eight games. 
Yeah. Well, and if I'm being 100% honest, I probably wouldn't have admitted, I wouldn't have said that same thing a week ago before they said Dallas wasn't getting the final. So I probably would have said, yeah, I'll take eight games in a final or seven in a final over. But now that I think about it, no, nine games in a semifinal is. And here's the other thing. Here's the other thing that nobody, I haven't heard anybody talk about. So Dallas is getting the most number of knockout round games in four, Mm. right? True. Yeah. Yeah. But the other thing is, is if you really look at the schedule, not only is Dallas getting the most knockout games, they potentially are more than likely will get two additional decisive games because they're not getting one but two third round group games mm. on the 25th and 27th. So everybody nice. else is getting like maybe one third round game. And you know, third round games are all generally always decisive matches. Yeah. Dallas is getting two of them. That's fun. So potentially six decisive matches or essentially knockout games uh, are coming to Dallas in the World Cup. Who's the one team other than the U.S. you'd want to see in person? Oh, that's a really good question. And it may be better asked when we get closer to the tournament to see who's playing really well. Of course, of course. Just a dream one that you've never, something you've never seen. I've never seen the Germans play in person. I saw the Germans at the World Cup in 94 here. Yeah, I didn't see them And their here. 3-2 comeback. And I've seen Argentina. Um, well, i got to think about That's a really good question. I don't know the answer to that. Well, think Do you have it. one? Uh, I'm actually going to say that like, I would really love to see Scotland in the World Cup. I don't know if they're going to make it or not, but that's, Scotland is where my ancestry is from. Mm-hmm. So seeing them in person in the World Cup would be cool. I'm not like a hardcore, like, ooh, I'm Scottish guy. Right. But like, I've seen Argentina, I've seen Germany. I've not seen England in person. That'd be cool too. But I really would, it would be fun for me to see. Cause then I would like, I'd want to take my old man, you know, if I could. That'd be cool. That'd be nice. Yeah. Interesting. I'll have to think about that for a bit. I don't know if I have an, an easy answer for that one. It's not. I'm sure every person that thinks about it will have a different question. You know, obviously the answer is the United States, but we'll forget that for a second and think about like who else would be super cool to and fun. You know. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Yeah. Well, it's crazy that we're all we've got all this noise and uproar about something that isn't going to happen for literally like 900 days. <laughs> well, well, there'll be a little time. There'll be plenty of little times that'll come up over the next three years when we'll talk about it more. Yeah. Obviously, we're not a World Cup show here. We're an FC Dallas show, but I'm sure there'll be enough Dallas local news that it'll hit our radar from time to time. And certainly your show will be all over it, your other show. Yeah, and by the way, uh, I will also preview for you that I got a little peek at the details of the transit plan. Mm, yes. Dude, it is so awesome. I I, I, look, I, I don't want anybody to think that this means that Arlington is getting mass transit because they're not. But for the purposes of this month-long event of shepherding hundreds of thousands of people in, in and out of Arlington, yeah. it, it's, I, you know, based on what I've been told and what I understand, it's really great. And I was also told that FIFA actually considered it to be a more complete plan than any other of host cities in the United States, including New York, New Jersey. Well, have you ever tried to get to the the New Jersey stadium on the Metro or on the train? Man, it it sucks. Does anybody not, has everybody forgotten the Super Bowl of 2014 when (laughs) 30,000 people got stranded coming to and leaving MetLife stadium or when they hosted uh, the big WWE event? Yeah. It's a huge, it's not, it's, 
look, I lived in Manhattan for for four years. I've ridden all those systems. I'm just telling yeah. you, the ro- the the romance over mass transit in New York is not as great as it would be. And all of anybody I know that lives in England, they spend an inordinate amount of time bitching about the trains in England. Yeah, I will admit though that the romanticism of going to New York for a World Cup final is pretty freaking cool. I mean, oh I would, sure, I'm I would not denying love, that. I would love that, but. You know, you're right that it's it's really in the end it's the star power and the and the Uber money and the and the glam glam of New York that won it, not the transit deal. Well, it, oh no, it was never the transit deal. It was never about trains or buses or any of that bullshit. No one gives a crap about that. People no. pick World Cups, pick World Cups because they're going to hang out with Jerry or they're going to hang out in New York with rock stars. It's like it's not about normal people transit. Just like that's. Yeah. I will say this until the tournament happens. <laughs> Infantino got every single thing he wanted out of this. Yeah, he did. Well, okay. Well, uh, I hope everybody's excited because it it should. It's it, there's nothing to be disappointed or upset about. There's only everything to be excited about, in my opinion. Yeah. I hope I I hope uh, by the time we get into a couple weeks from now, the start of the Dallas season, I'm as excited about mm-hmm. the Dallas season. Me too. Well, speaking of which, since you haven't seen any of the stuff over there, is there any lingering question from you about the team or players or oh, that I yeah. can try and like? Because you're, you're you're in this scenario of you and I, you're slightly more representative of the average fan. So, like, what what lingering big question do you have that I could maybe try and answer right now? Uh, I would say, uh, well, hmm, interesting. I, I guess my question is, if assuming they're playing a four, uh, this three four three, yeah, what does that mean in terms of who's playing center mid for this team? And I is, is does that mean it's Paxton and Alara, or is it some other combination combination of people I haven't figured out yet? Yeah, I think if, if we just for a minute pretend everybody's healthy, I think Yara Mindy and Paxson are probably your first two choices going into the start of the season. Um, because Paxson's been hurt, Frazier's been in there a fair bit. So in the real world, that's probably more viable than Paxson at this minute. That's probably what you're looking at. Legette has been more in the mix as one of the higher, so far, like underneath the striker. And the high striker is will be Musa. It's Farrington, it's Ansa. And underneath that is in these 210 positions, not wings, 210s, Jesus, Areola, Legette, um, those kinds of guys. Pondeca, who's way down the depth chart. Solly, Solly's been in that underneath role. That's looked really bright. You know, those are the kinds of players that have been in that spot. Not Camungo, not Sealy. Those guys are those more vertical runners are playing wing back. Endelay's out there, Sealy's out there, Camungo's out there. Mm-hmm. You know, and those are kind of the way it's breaking down. If a guy has some 10 kind of qualities, some drive into the box kind of qualities, they're that underneath 10 under the high striker. That's what you're looking at. And I apologize that I did not ask this way earlier in the episode, mm-hmm. and I feel stupid for not doing it, leaving it for the end. Has anybody seen Musa play yet? No, he's not taking the field yet. No. Nope. Do we know he, why? Well, I imagine it's P1 visa and legitimacy of you know being on the roster and stuff. Ah. You know, they showed him sign the contract, so he cannot. It's my understanding of contracts until his paperwork clears through the international transfer through from league to league and then down to FC Dallas. And until he gets his P1 visa, he can't. He can't you know, even train, right? Yeah. Like he probably can't even come in the country. Cause like 
you know, if you were, if you were here training and then you, you would have to go get it and then like come back. If you'd arrange for like a tourist visa to come in. And then even when they do that, usually they're like, he's not here training. He's just here watching quit, you know, wink, wink. Right. Right. So like he's in Spain right now, he's just watching and hanging out, wink, wink, you know, who knows what he's doing behind the closed doors, but he's not playing any games. So it's the same thing. He'll have to go, he'll have to go back to the Czech Republic to get his visa. So until that happens, he probably won't even come to the United States. Maybe what happened. And now I'm getting players confused and mixed mm-hmm. up. Is Solly the one that's too young to actually sign? Yep. Solly is 17. So, uh, so what's, what happens to him if they're like, Oh my God, this kid's a baller. We need to him to play in day one. Well, he's going to be 18 very shortly. It's February 23rd. So oh, okay. it's like, it's, is that actually before the season starts? No. Uh, yes. It's like the day before the home open. So like, <laughs> right. So that's awesome. You know, now, now whether he could, whether happy they've birthday been, kid, go score some goals. Yeah. Like whether they would have his people in visa lined up that I can't answer, but he could actually sign his contract on the 23rd. And then, so P one visa pending, he could play on the 24th. Also pending, of course, has his international certificate also transferred, which is this, which basically is like his player card. You know, like you yeah. have your ID. That's what that is. That is a transfer to the new team, you know, but he would not start that game anyway. You know, it'll, it'll be Areola and it'll be Jesus being healthy. If it's Jesus healthy, if it's not Jesus, it'll be legit, you know, underneath. That's what it'll be. If it's okay. a three, four, three, we'll see. Goodness gracious. It's complicated. Start of season is complicated, especially when you have guys banged up, you know. I mean, obviously it won't be Velasco. We know that. All right. He's still in Argentina as far as I know. Uh, Yeah. To be determined. Yeah. There we go. All right, Buzz, anything yep. else? I mean, North Texas is open camp. Their, their schedule got dropped yesterday. I haven't, I've been out of town, so I haven't put it together on the website. I know nobody else cares, but I love going to those games, so that'll be fun. You know, <laughs> you're the hardest of the hardcore buzz. That's that's why you're the original soccer influencer. I was at a game the other day, the SC Dallas game the other day. I was like, man, I don't, I don't know. Like, if when that place is full up, I'm not going to want to go. I'm going to just go to North Texas games, <laughs> watch them on TV. <laughs> you know, so it's ridiculous. It's it's an hour drive, and you get stuck in traffic, and you're crammed <laughs> into that stadium. And it's hot as hell. I'm just going to go to North Texas games and watch SC Dallas on TV. I'd rather go to training. <laughs> You're such a good marketing tool for the yeah, club. <laughs> I'm going to go. Well, if it's sold out, they don't need me to market it. You know, okay. I'm going to go to training and tell you what's actually going on. How about that? All right. Very yeah, good. There you go. All right. Well, I, uh, let's all root for Dan while he's uh, back home. Yeah. Get those looting tickets. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And condo- condolences to the, condolences to the, to the fam, family. Yeah, yeah. Um, very good. All right, Buzz. Thanks, man. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you for being here to help me get through this one I, solo would have been rough as always when it is like uh, i love doing this this is good times we've been doing this a long time dude yeah we have been <laughs> season six of the podcast which is crazy uh, yeah um, uh, tw- is this year 28 of the league no no it's oh no they're two years ahead of me 29 this is 27 for me 29 this is for them. the 29th season of mls yeah because i'm on 27 and i started two years after they did so yeah 96 80 yeah. wait 96 to 24 is 29? Well, last year was my 26th season. I know that. Yeah. So they would go. Been, we got to go learn how to do math. 2026 will be their their 31st season, Ooh. right? 
Well, so it'll be the 30th anniversary. Yeah, I don't care. Whatever. It's a long, it's a long damn time. Too damn long. <laughs> Whatever it is. All right. Thanks, man. Third Degree of the Podcast has been brought to you by Soccer90.com. Explore the vast collection of FC Dallas Premier League and U.S. Men's National Team gear. Jerseys, hats, scarves, tees, and beyond. Soccer90 has all you need now in person. Enjoy your 20% discount code in the store. Third Degree is the code. Soccer90.com. Just let them know at checkout. 20% off. 30 degrees the code. Some exclusions do apply. Thank you, FC Dallas Curious fan. We will be back and talk to you again on another episode of Third Degree the Podcast. Pancakes with a pedophile. <laughs> no one's going to know what that means. <laughs> third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. Third degree, the third degree never podcast. Third degree, the third degree never podcast.